listening to the Seven Rivers Student Ministry Podcast, a ministry of Seven Rivers Church in Citrus County, Florida. Here at SRSM, we believe that all students are lovable through a relationship with Jesus. Visit our website at sevenrivers.org backslash students. And uh, yeah, so tonight um, I'm going to just tell you guys a story, um, and it's going to be a story told um, from the Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, you're going to need a Bible. Um, we have a few back there on the side table. If you don't have one, maybe you have one on your phone, uh, but we also try to throw some Bibles out um, on your seats. But you're going to need the Bible um, to hear this story and to know this story. So before we get started, though, I mean, so many of you guys from so many different walks of life. We have sixth graders all the way up to 12th graders. We have kids in here um, who are athletic, kids who are not athletic. Uh, We have kids who are academic. We have kids who are not academic. And we have kids um, who love video games and kids who don't love video games. We have kids who love books and kids um, who love, um, I don't know, I don't know what else, anything else, Um, something else. But there's so many of you guys um, with so many different walks of life. Um, with so many different cultures, so many different experiences. And, um, but there's also some of you guys who are really walking through a lot, um, who are going through a lot, um, whether that's with relationships at school, whether that's um, in your family, whether that's a divorce um, that's happening um, between your parents or already a divorce has happened. Uh, maybe that's you know, frustrations with your parents. You've been grounded. Your phone's been taken away. Whether that's with your teachers, um, whether that's with um, each other, even those in this room, uh, or maybe you are struggling um, with sin and maybe you feel incredibly ashamed um, of your sin and maybe you feel uh, that there's no possible way that anybody could possibly love me if they knew every single thing about me, especially if they knew um, about my sin, about the things that I do in secret at night um, when no one's looking. when, uh, when I feel um, lonely and sad, um, what, what do you do? Um, what have you done? What have you said? Um, what have you done wrong? Um, what have you done to hurt your siblings, your parents, um, your friends? Uh, those are, you know, all of us in this room have so much that we bring to the table right now. Um, so much uh, different kinds of things, but one common thing that we all bring right now into this room is sin and brokenness and a desperate need and a desire for things to change, a desire for ourselves to change. Uh, Many of us in this room, uh, every time we look in the mirror, we hate what we see in the mirror. Um, Every time when we examine our lives, we hate what we find out about ourselves. We hate um, what we see in the reflection. We hate who we are. Um, and, and, And there's a reason for that. Something has gone wrong. And so 
I'm going to just try to take you guys through the Bible, verse by verse, not verse by verse, but a few verses here and a few verses there. And we're going to see what God says and what he does. And listen, there, there's a lot of things out there that says, hey, yeah, you're messed up. You got problems. You have sin. You need something, you need something to be fixed. We'll do this, this, and this, and this. There's a lot of things out there, okay? Like all kinds of things that say this will fix your problems, right? All these things. Okay, I mean, it's new shoes, new clothes, it's, it's new friends, it's, it's you know, um, a new social media. It's, it's always something new to, to jump into. So there's always something selling to you to try to fix your problems, um, to fix your sin, okay? Here's one of those things that we're going to read through Scripture that's saying, no, this can fix, this can heal, and it's not going to let you down, and it's not going to leave you empty, like every Christmas when you get exactly what you want and then what you want, you want something completely new next Christmas or the new shoes you got completely wear out, right? And they're not cool anymore. Or, you know, you, you got your, your Jordans, you know, mud on your Jordans. or you, The worst is when you skid your shoes on the tables underneath Applebee's um, and you get those black marks. You know, it's awful. Or your buddy steps on your foot and it's like, what the heck? Those are new shoes. What are you doing stepping on my white shoes? You know, but yeah, you're, you're let down. So we're going to go through something that's, I believe, the most truest and best answer to your problems. Okay? This is, this is the thing that I've hitched my wagon to. This is the thing that all the leaders in here have hitched their wagon to. That some of you guys, some of the high school leaders, some of you guys have hitched your wagon to. This is the story. And it starts, so if you have a blue Bible... It starts on page one. Okay, so this is where we're going to start. It's Genesis 1, 26 through 27. And we're going to read a little bit of verse 28. Now, everyone needs to be silent. People in back, please. Thank you. This is God's story. This is his word. So if you're here tonight and you're wanting something different for your life, let's see what God has to say. So God said, let us make man... In our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. From the beginning, we see at the very beginning that this world that we live in is very different to how God made it, right? We see that there is something has gone wrong, something has, um, there's been an error, something has broken, something has fallen. Because in this beginning, you know, we see being made in the image of God with a mission. Um, and God says at the end of Genesis 1 that it was very, very good um, what he created. But we know that something has gone haywire. And we are experiencing that now in our own lives, in our own families, in our own relationships. And so there is, in Genesis 3, this would be page 2 if you're in the, in the Blue Bibles. Um, it's Genesis 3, 19. We're going to look at that first, then 23, and then the beginning of verse 24. Okay, so Genesis 3, 19. So it's just the next page over, page um, 2. It's going to be page 2 for you guys, actually. All right, here, what, it's, what it says, okay? So man has sinned has rebelled against God, and there's this curse. So in Genesis 1, we see this blessing, and he blessed man, but now God is cursing man. Something went wrong. There's a broken relationship between God and man, and that's what we're experiencing. And so God, 
in this curse, this is what he says, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of you, out of the ground you were taken, for you are dust and to dust you will return. And then look down to verse 23. It says, therefore the Lord God sent Adam and Eve out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which they were taken. He drove out the man. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life, to exile mankind from his presence. The curse, you know, the curse for females is pain in childbirth. The curse for man is pain in work. And the curse for both of them is that they will return back to the dust from which God formed them and they will be separated from God as long as they're in their sin. This is the state you and I live in, in our sin, this curse. We were once a blessed people, Adam and Eve blessed, but now we are cursed because of sin. Listen, every single one of us have an end date. Every single one of us will have a grave. We have a death, and it's coming. And every day you wake up, you're closer to it. We're all dying. This is a huge problem. The stakes are incredibly high. But there's another curse, too. And it's to Satan. God curses Satan and says, you're going to be killed. You're going to be killed and defeated by a child that comes from Eve. So flip over to Genesis 6. What happens to the world? We're living in this world under the curse. Verses 5 through 7. This is, this is what happens. The Lord saw, okay, and this is page uh, 3 for those in the Blue Bible. This is, this is, this is what happens The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in all the earth and that every intention of his thoughts, of his heart, was only evil continually. Is that not true today? It's not our thoughts. Isn't that, if people saw our thoughts, they'd be like, wow, that, you are, we are so messed up. And so God regretted that he made man on earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. There's evil, it spreads. God regrets, and he's grieved, and he's broken, and he wants to blot out man because of evil and what it's doing to creation. He wants to blot out man because of murder and rape and adultery. He wants to blot out man because of sin and the brokenness that it take, happens in our lives. But then look at verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And you guys know this, probably know the story. God spares one family. He blots out, he sends the flood, he erases mankind from the earth, but one family, except for one. Evil reigns on the earth and it floods the earth and it's so wicked. But yet God still makes a way, makes a way for us to come into existence. That could have been the end of the Bible right there. <laughs> right? Just the first three pages. Boom, done. All right, so turn with me to page 356. Because God makes a promise. It's Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, 5 through 6. God makes a promise. He says, evil is still going to reign. Noah still is, even though he's spared from the flood, he's going to have a family and evil is still going to reign. All right, evil is still going to spread. Wickedness is still going to spread. I haven't solved the problem of evil, 
okay? It's still going to spread. But God says that there's going to be something that solves this problem of sin. And so in verses 5 through 6, now mind you, this was written 700 years before Jesus ever came into the picture. All right? 700 years. Is this not ironically similar, if not exactly similar, to what we know what happens to Jesus? Look at verses 5 through 6. 700 years before happens. This man was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, which is our brokenness and sin and our fallenness from God. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the brokenness, the sin, the evil of us all upon his shoulders. This is the promise that there will be another way for us in this room who are evil, broken, and sinful for the world. All right, so you're going to have to jump with me again to page 518. All right, if you're in the Blue Bibles, this is uh, John 3, 36. So what happens here is absolutely, is, is fascinating. So you have people, you have uh, people that are counting on this promise of someone to come, who's someone who's going to come into the world and he's going to carry and take our sin and brokenness and he's going to make it right and heal us. And there's those who don't believe in that promise and don't listen to God and don't obey him. And so in John 3, 36, let me read you the verse. Whoever believes in Jesus, whoever believes in this, the man who is coming to take on the iniquities of the world, whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. But whoever does not obey Jesus shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The curse of God remains on him. The death and eternal separation from God remains on him. The eternal torture remains on him. In your sin, God's wrath is upon you. You live under the curse in your sin. And if I, if you, I mean, I sin today. Evil reigned in my heart today. God's wrath is upon me. God's wrath is upon me. And God's wrath is upon you. If you have sinned and if you have broken relationship with God. All right. In your blue Bibles, turn with me um, to page 549, Romans 6, 23. So this is, this is what sin earns you. In your sin, this is what you receive. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus our Lord. There's two situations. There's those who are in sin and the wage that they earn and what you get for your sin and disobeying God, this is what you earn. This is your paycheck. This is your payday. It's death and wrath and eternal damnation. But in Jesus, do you know what your payday is? It says that in the second half of the verse, it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life and love in Jesus. So in sin, your payment is death and separation from God and wrath. In Jesus, your payday is life and love instead of wrath and eternity with God. Turn with me to page 591, or sorry, 568. Page 568 is Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, verse 8. So listen, 
God's wrath is upon you in your sin. But the Bible says that there is something else for those who come to Jesus. There's love. There's wrath and love. Will you receive God's wrath or will you receive his love? In Ephesians 2.8, it says these words. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. It's not your own works, but the works of Jesus. It's the free gift. It's the Christmas gift under the tree. You did nothing to purchase that or earn that or deserve that, but it was given to you freely with no receipt saying, hey, pay me back, or no Venmo saying, hey, pay me back. But it's solely based on someone else's payment, on their works, and on Jesus' works, on his righteousness, on his goodness, on his perfection. He pays the price. And the price? What is the wages of sin? Death. What is the price that Jesus pays? Death on the cross when he dies. He doesn't die because that's what he earned. He dies because that's what you earned. He dies and says, I will be paid for what you have done, for your works. And then God will pay you for my works. Payday is coming. It's coming soon. Will you guys turn with me to 591? So some of you guys are sitting here, and it's 1 John 1, verse 9. And some of you guys are sitting here going, okay, I don't want God's wrath. I do want God's love. I want his grace. And you're feeling that in your heart this very second. Listen, there is a way, okay? And it's in Jesus. And how do you come to Jesus? Jesus says, come to me in your sin. Come to me while you're still sinful. Come to me with your evil thoughts and wickedness and your nastiness. And confess and actually tell me about it. Share with me what's been done to you. Share with me what you have done. I want to hear. I want to know you. 1 John 1, 9, page 591 in the blue book. It says this, if we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness, all our wickedness. God made a promise that he would send his son to die on the cross to carry on the burden and the iniquities of your sin to pay the payment. And then he says, this is the way for you, all right? This is the way for you to go to Jesus. Not for you to die for your sins, but to let Jesus die for your sins. And Jesus promises that if you come to him right now in this moment, today, that he will forgive you. That he will forgive you. Now turn with me to page 602, Revelation 20, verse 10. You remember at the beginning, Satan's cursed as well? Look at verse uh, 20, verse 10. This is what happens to Satan in the end. And the devil, Satan, who had deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beasts and false prophets were. And they were all tormented day and night, forever and ever. Satan is defeated. Satan is defeated by the works of Jesus. And his wage and what he earns is eternity in hell. Is an eternal death. 
And all those who are not in Jesus, this is what is for you as well. So look at verse 12 through 15. Revelation 20, 12 through 15. Guys, look at that verse. This is, this is what awaits you if you're in your sin. If you're in your sin today, this is what's your future. When you die, this is what waits for you. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. So listen, all your works are written in a book. And it will be read on the day of judgment. What you have done and what you've earned, it's payday. We'll see how much you've, you've earned. Okay? It's written down. God knows everything. And you're accountable for it all. And you will have to pay for it all. And he will pay you back for what you've done. Because he is just and holy. So if you've sinned, you will be paid back in full for your sin. So be warned, okay? So um, according to what they've done, verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead. So those who died at sea, it spat out the dead of the sea. Came back to life, he spat them out. And, so, and then death and Hades gave up the dead. All those people in the graves, they came back to life who were in them and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. That's you and I, by the way. We're going to come back and we will stand before God and we will be judged for what we've done. Then death and Hades were thrown, this is crazy, into the lake of fire. And this is called the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name, if they were in their sin, it was, their name was not written in the book of life. And that person, he, would be thrown into the lake of fire as well. Is your name in the book? Does Jesus know you? And do you know Jesus? Are you in him or are you not? If you are in Jesus, look at Revelation 21, 1 through 4. It's right after that. It's page 603. This is what waits for you. So listen, if you're in Jesus, and if you're not in Jesus, this is your warning. You've been warned. This is what is waiting for you. But if you are in Jesus, this is what waits for you. And John, he saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first earth, heaven and the first earth, they passed away. And the sea was no more. And he saw his holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned um, for um, her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And this is great. We're going to be with God, and he's going to touch your face and wipe away every tear from your eye, because death shall be no more. Neither there should be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And we have a new life to live. That's what waits for you in Jesus. That's what waits for you. Right now, tonight, we're in a miraculous moment. There's a moment in time, space, and history right now, and this is the only time that you have, where with one arm, Jesus is holding back the wrath of God. And saying, God, wait, do not pour it out yet. Do not, uh, it's not paid. Don't bring your judgment yet. Wait. And with the other arm, he reaches out to you and says, will you grab my hand? Will you trust me? Will you rest in me? But it's only in this moment. 
It's only in this present moment, space, time, and history. With one hand, he's saying, God, wait. My kids are out here. I want them to come home. My brothers and sisters are out here. I want them to come home. And with the other hand, he's reaching out to you, speaking through the word. It says that the word became flesh in John chapter 1 and spoke and lived among us. That's Jesus. We just read his words. He's speaking to you. If you're sitting here, and as we went through this, your heart has been set on fire in any way, shape, or form. If you feel in your soul that you want to be in Jesus, he invites you to take his hand, to trust him, to confess your sins. A day is coming when both hands will drop. One hand will drop and the wrath of God will be poured out. But all of those who are holding on to Jesus' hand, he'll bring them under his wings and he will take on God's wrath for you so that you don't have to. So that you can be safe in his arms, in his house, with his family. Are you in Jesus or are you in your sin?